0: welcome to the future of agriculture podcast the show that explores the people companies and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness innovation resourcefulness and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge please welcome your host tim hammerich how's it going thank you so much for downloading another episode of the future of agriculture podcast my name is tim hammerich I am an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. Uh, Really pleased to uh, be entering this holiday season here. I hope you're... December and your holidays are going well, if you're listening to this as it comes out. Uh, and I'm excited to share this story with you on, on the show here today. I know I say I'm excited for the story every week, but uh, but it's always true. So I, I really do mean it. You know, we've had some very large companies in the ag tech space on on this program before. Um, those companies are really a part of a very, very hot trend in ag tech. And you'll hear the headlines. We've had some recently about uh, hundreds of millions of dollars being uh, invested in these companies, and a lot of times uh, those catch the bulk of the headlines. You know, it's it's most fancy to say X company raised 50 million dollars, uh, and it's maybe less flashy to say, hey, this guy started it in his house and he slowly grew it because his customers really appreciated the product. Neither one of those is wrong. Neither one of them is better than the other. They're just two different paths. But I like to highlight them both. Uh, so our story today is about Nick Horeb. He is the founder of Harvest Profit. This is a farm management software company up in. North Dakota. Uh, Nick started uh, just him and uh, ended up kind of identifying some needs within some farmers he was consulting with and developing a software for for farm management in order to capture the most profit uh, and manage risk uh, at the farm level. So uh, Nick has done this his own way. Uh, He has just grown the business organically. And so uh, through repeat customers and repeat business, he's poured those profits back in and been able to grow. So I think this is just a really cool story. And um, bootstrapping is something that I'm doing in my business. And so I can appreciate both the benefits of it, but also the challenges. So excited to share this story with you. Uh, Here's my interview here with Nick Horeb of Harvest Profit. Very pleased to have on the show, Nick Horeb, the founder of Harvest Profit. Nick, hey, thanks for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tim. Looking forward to it.
0: And you are calling in today from the the beautiful
1: North Dakota, is that right? Correct. Wide open, windy, cold plains, uh, Fargo, North Dakota.
0: Nice. Yeah, we have, we have had guests on the show before uh, from Fargo, so pleased to have somebody else from the upper Midwest on, on the show here and want to talk more about your company, Harvest Profit. So uh, I guess maybe just to set some context here, uh, what is Harvest Profit?
1: So Harvest Profit is a set of farm management tools really focused on the business side of the farm, the numbers side of the farm, uh, from tracking inputs to applications of those inputs, profitability on a a crop year basis, a field-by-field basis, and then um, a a set of tools to help track grain marketing from all of a producers' contracts to actually building a profit-focused grain marketing plan I'm a a big believer that in the philosophy of what gets measured gets improved and numbers are really a no BS way to filter through the constant noise and news that farmers are bombarded with. And so Harvest Profit is essentially just a a set of tools to make it easier for them uh, to track their profitability and, you know, hopefully over time, uh, tracking and managing leads to, to optimizing.
0: And Nick, paint the picture for us of, of kind of what things look like for, for some of your your customers before they had this tool. Uh, what were they doing and kind of where was the, the pain point?
1: Well, we're trying to help solve or, or help producers deal with is You know, humans, myself included, when we're making decisions uh, that are, involved with financial markets we tend to follow this counterproductive cycle you know the old saying of buy low sell high uh, tends to get flipped on its head due to our human psychology so when times are poor prices are poor we tend to extrapolate that out over the rest of time so uh, we tend to minimize the chance or the probabilities of cycles and tend to have this, this near-term bias. So when times are good, it's natural to be complacent and think they're going to continue to be good. And when times are poor, it's, it's natural for us to, to think that these uh, bad times are going to be around forever. And so a lot of farm decisions, you know, unfortunately just the nature of the beast, farmers are busy. They wear a lot of hats. Uh, a lot of farm business risk management decisions have been made, you know, based on gut feel, uh, based on you know so just some random news in the market, um, based on you know stuff they hear in the coffee shop. So from a, we're trying to help with both the the psychology and the decision making process in addition to the tools. So a lot of the a lot of farms you know farms do bookkeeping, uh, bookkeeping whether it's in QuickBooks or Quicken, uh, or they have a, a bookkeeper do it. Unfortunately, uh, tax your books don't line up with croppier profitability. And so we're trying to add a, a layer of tools that really take the bookkeeping um, and, and layer on a set of decision making decision making tools on top of that, and at the same time, you know getting away from just the pencil and paper methods and, and spreadsheet methods. If anybody that's been following me knows I'm a, a huge fan of spreadsheets. I love them, work with them every day but they're really not meant to be databases. They're not meant to, uh, you know, be long-term stores of data. They tend to gather dust during the growing season. So we're, we want to build our tools that allow guys to, to not just build their budget in the winter, let it sit stale and get updated the next winter. We want to enable them to make it easier to, to track their profitability throughout the growing season. Because when farmers are the most busy, that's when a, A lot of these important decisions have to be made.
0: Right, yeah. I, I spent the first eight years of my career in, in uh, grain merchandising and in commodity trading. And whenever I'd tell anybody what I did, they go, "Oh yeah, buy low, sell high." And it's like, yeah, it would be it'd be easy if you knew when low was low and when high was high. And, and that's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the difficult part is uh, just because prices are historically high doesn't mean you are necessarily selling at the height, and just because they're historically low doesn't mean you're selling at the low. Uh, there's a whole lot of subjectivity to there. So it's cool that you're bringing some tools to the process to make it a little bit more objective uh, rather than just on, on Gut feel, like you say. Now, now your background, um, if, if I understand correctly, you grew up on a farm and then went into finance. Is that right? What, what kind of led you to, to starting this company?
1: So both sides of my family farmed in west in northwestern North Dakota uh, by Williston. Um, or my gr- grandfather had two businesses. He farmed and he had a construction business. My uncle actually took over the farm. My dad took over a construction business. On uh, my mom's side of the f- uh, family, I actually helped out her brother, on the farm a little bit, but you know, just driving grain truck and and picking rocks. And so I wasn't too intimately from ingrained in the farm growing up. It was really uh, after college when I was working, uh, I was working for a a successful private equity firm in Minneapolis uh, in 2007, 2008, when commodity prices first started to spike. And at that time, I I really kind of dove deep, um, you know, just looking at the the profitability of the the crop rotations that are on our family farm, and you know, then uh, taking a deep dive into just the the financial structure of farms across the Midwest, and as, and then as I was reaching out talking to farmers in my in my spare time, uh, realizing that a lot of decisions were just kind of shoot from the hip, um, hope to hit the high, and when I was pointing out some really amazing you know, risk-free profit opportunities when, you know, spring wheat specifically first skyrocketed. Um, Farmers were just kind of shell-shocked at um, how high prices had gotten and just couldn't, shell-shocked into inaction when presented in, you know, once-in-a-generation type of profit opportunities. And coming from finance where, um, you know, thinking of everything, from a, a spreadsheet side obviously is a lot different than farmers. Farmers have weather to deal with. They have basis and futures uncertainty. But it was just a little bit eye-opening talking to, you know, some friends, some family, some people that I went to school with on the the, the real lack of structure in the decision makings and maybe more more importantly, just the emotion that went along with those decisions. And so in 2009 i had an opportunity and just kind of wanted to do something a a little bit different and get back to to more of the rural lifestyle and so i i left the 31st floor of the skyscraper in minneapolis and started working as a consultant with farmers in western minnesota and then moving into north dakota south dakota just helping guys get a better grasp on their numbers and, and helping helping them with, uh, all of the, the farm business finance risk management decisions. And during that time, you see the tools that are out there, um, a lot of powerful accounting tools, farm related, um, general business related, but just a lack of tools on helping these guys manage their profitability on a crop year basis, um, in managing things that a, a business would, would think is crazy. You know, you, if you have 50 different manufacturing facilities, a business monitors the profitability on those, you know, daily per manufacturing field, but a farm that essentially is comprised of different fields, which I think of as manufacturing plants, very few farms, um, I would say, you know, less than 5% were tracking their profitability on a field by field basis. And so that's what kind of led me to, you know, building out some spreadsheets and converting those spreadsheets into software uh, to make it easier to manage profitability, how it actually occurs in the real world on a, a crop year basis, uh, field by field. So I started down that path um, in 2012, 2013, and then just slowly sat on the back burner um, until I really hit the gas pedal in 2015 and, and made the decision to to really kind of invest a fair amount of my personal resources in, in getting this product off the ground.
0: That's, that's cool. It's a great example of something I tell uh, a lot of, you know, young people, college students and new graduates as they're kind of trying to figure out what, what do I want to do in life? I know I love ag, where do I want to go? It's like, Hey, find, you know, find a real problem that, that you actually could contribute a solution to and chase that. And I think you have a great example there of, you, know, you, you kind of go out and start advising people you see these profit opportunities with minimal risk and you just kind of start talking to people and as you you know as you talk to the folks and identify the problems, it kind of leads you down this path to eventually having a software company because you didn't have a background in software, did you?
1: No I didn't I, I actually you know, went down the path of hiring you know the cheapest person I could find to build the software and uh, you know pretty much had a couple uh, a couple ten thousand dollar hiccups along the way and then I finally, uh, you know, taught myself to do some programming and learn some best practices in, in building software, and then I hired a you know a U.S. based firm to you know, that I could work with closely, face to face, and and build out the software. So I, I had to, after some expensive bumps in the road, I had to, to teach myself, and then I quickly realized that um, to, for for me to build it from start to finish just wasn't going to happen. But at least I knew. Uh, I, I had some solid building blocks and you know foundations for for what it would take to get it built.
0: Right, Nick, I want to get back to this uh, the concept of, of of dealing directly with farmers, and, and uh, I've seen a lot of your posts. You seem to have a really good handle on. You know what farmers want in in technology and what they don't want, and uh, I I have enjoyed some of the stuff I've seen from you, particularly on LinkedIn, comes to mind about there are so, certain aspects of ag tech that drive farmers nuts. So could you kind of elaborate a little bit on, on what you see out there as far as farmers' attitudes towards new technology and new software to help them run their business?
1: So my my perspective on that is you know producing a crop. Is a combination of you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of, of micro variables. You know what were the seeding conditions like? Um, you know what was the what's the soil moisture when you planted? And, and just along the way, there's just tons of little micro variables. And from a from a person on the outside looking in, uh, when you look at agriculture on a, a nationwide scale, you can do some pretty interesting correlations on temperature, precipitation, and you can come up with, you know, you can do some good back testing on, you know, what it takes to produce a crop. But that's over millions of different fields. And when you break it down to uh, trying to make predictions on a a field by field basis, and doing remote, uh, you know, remote agronomy, I've just seen too many instances where these, these algorithms that perform well on a nationwide scale really fall apart on a, a really highly localized scale, and and it's just there's you know if you're going to trust your fertilization decisions, um, if a farmer is going to use decision tools, those tools need to be ground truthed. They need to be yeah, they they just need to be tied to the actual you know plant health, plant performance. It you know what what has kind of drove me crazy, and and a number of friends that friends and colleagues and customers that are are farmers and make a living from farming is. You know, people trying to create a magic bullet for them and charge a, you know, really, you know, exp- a pretty penny to do that, um, you know, five ten $10 an acre. There's just a, a huge disconnect in it. It's the combination of the, the tools that work on a big scale, don't necessarily work on a small scale. And then there's just been a, a big disconnect in the pricing.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. They feel like they're getting taken to the cleaners and for what they're paying, they should have a magic bullet and obviously one like that just, you know, doesn't exist at all. Could you give us a an example or two of just a, a real customer of yours, like what what application did they get off of the tools you offer and uh, and how that changed their business?
1: Sure. This fall, late summer, kind of harvest season, one of my one of our customers sat down with one of their landlords who wanted to to raise the rent and and this farmer had you know field by field income statements for the the 2017 growing season and just sat down with the landlord and said hey you know, here's my actual financial performance you know I want you um, you know mr. and mrs landlord to get a good return on your investment but now you know now I don't think I'm speaking as the customer now I don't think that is an appropriate time to raise the rent, you know, looking at, you know, the, the current economic climate. And and so this, and this was a, a multiple five figure savings, because the farmer came to the meeting with objective, you know, field by field financial performance, it could show the landlord that, hey, you know, can we kick the can down the road, you know, keep the rent the same, you know, for one more year, and actually had hard numbers behind that. And, uh, that was a younger farmer in North Dakota. We have a farmer in Kansas who sent me a note. You know, as he was getting ready to plant his winter wheat crop, you know, he already had his, his budgets built, um, printed off. You know, generated some PDF reports, went into his bank. He got his operating note done, and he just sent me a, a quick note and said, "Hey, you, you know, the software really made my job a lot easier with my my operating note renewal." So, you know, those are just you know a, a couple instances in you know, having this data, you know, up to date in an easy to report fashion can uh, you know, can provide real results if it's, you know, spending less time on uh, on keeping your banking relationships up to date or helping with objective farm rent negotiations. You know, those are just two of, you know, many potential applications in, in what we're trying to do. And we're just really trying to to make it easier for farms to show their business partners their numbers and along the way, you know, make more objective, uh, financial and risk management decisions.
0: Right. And I know you've mentioned both, you know, the, the astronomical costs of some of the, the competing farm management softwares out there. And then of course the, the field by field analysis seems to have a ton of value. Are those your big differentiators in this space or, or what, what's kind of the value proposition of harvest profit versus some of the other options out there for farm management software?
1: So we have a flat fee. That's a, a differentiator from some other competitors. Um, and there's numerous good offerings out in the market. You know, our pricing—you know—we're not the cheapest, but we're we're far from the most expensive. And then really, we're just laser focused, you know, on the, the the business side of the farm. You know, there's been some some really astronomical acquisitions in the ag tech space, and that that just leads companies down the line of you know, building, let's build a big team. And, you know, we're either going to you know generate traction or we're going to sell. And, you know, along the way here, there's been some big sales, but there's been questionable transaction from questionable traction in the marketplace and just the ability for these companies to generate revenue. Well, you know, we're a small business, but we're profitable. We don't need to raise a bunch of money um, I've personally never had a customer request a change to our software that I didn't intimately understand. So, mm. you know, I live and breathe this stuff. I still have, uh, you know, 30 active consulting uh, relationships. And so you know, we don't come from software and got parachuted into the ag world or the opposite. We li- I live and breathe these numbers. Um, I can go into any one of our customer accounts and, and probably pinpoint some numbers that I Uh, Some financial numbers that I think, um, you know, might look a little bit off. And so we have a kind of a rare combination of, you know, living and breathing in these crop budgets in these grain markets, and at the same time, you know, building great software. Talk to us more
0: about that, about, about being, I I don't mean this negatively at all, but being kind of a small guy and competing with some massively funded, in some case already acquired by major agribusiness type companies, you know, what's that like bootstrapping and and tell us kind of the, the benefits and the frustrations that go along with that.
1: We're not dead set on always, you know, being a, a hundred percent employee owned, but just from, uh. From an ideal standpoint, I wanted to build a product that could get traction before I would ever ask anybody to give us money. So that's just the path we've taken thus far. And, you know, right now we have, uh, it's myself and three good developers that we're working with, uh, computer engineers. And when you compare that to other competitors who have teams of, uh, you know, 10 to Fifty people in their development department—they can just work at a faster pace than us. That's uh, th- th- there's no question about that. They can uh, they can maybe build some some bigger features in a more timely fashion than than what we can do. Um, I would say we probably have a, a a little less you know bureaucratic red tape to go through when it comes to making decisions on the future direction of our software, but less people <laughs> equals. Less development that can get done, so that's really the biggest downfall.
0: And talk to us more about that, the, the future. Uh, what what problems are you committed to kind of solving uh, with Harvest Profit in the future? And what's the plan for growth? Are you going to try to continue to to uh, run it, uh, you know, with kind of minimal staff? Or or would you like to, now that you've got some traction and some customers, would you like to kind of pour some gasoline on the fire, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I think 2018 is going to be a year where we, you know, slightly, slightly press on the gas pedal. You know, right now our development team is, uh, is really good generalists, and we'd like to get to the point where we can uh, where we can specialize, um, bring on some people who are you know, subject matter experts at you know their specific niche of building software, and then uh, you know start to increase the frequency of our release cycles. Um, you know whether or not we stay self-funded, employee-owned, you know that's always a question that you know remains up for debate. I guess we'll just see how that evolves but no we're definitely we're definitely in growth mode uh to date we have roughly 180 customers you know we have some you know some goals and some targets to expand that and you know invest most of that growth in our staff and you know we just we don't think it's appropriate at our stage of business to have a you know to hire 10 people for anticipated growth so we're just gonna you know, take a slow and, and measured pace to it, because at the end of the day, our, our customers are trusting us with their money. And the last thing we want to do is to one, go out of business or two, you know, be forced to sell to a company that might not align um, with where our customers want to, um, you know, want to have their their data and their tools. So growth in a measured way is uh, what's in store for us. Here in the next three to six months, and, and out further into twenty eighteen.
0: Nick, I, no, I love this. I think this is a, a great story, and, and I'm very glad you're on the show because, to me, this is what it's all about. It's it's about building a a real business that solves real problems. It's not about covers of magazines and and multi million dollar investment. Like it's it's about you know kind of boots on the ground and really solving a problem and having to. Um, provide that value every single day to stay to stay alive. So um, I I love that you're on the show. I really appreciate everything that you do, and I uh, I I don't know. I just uh, I get excited by stories like this because this, to me, this is really what it's all about. It's not about the hype. It's about solving real problems for customers, you know, willing to pay for for real value. A- as you look to the future of, of ag tech specifically, I know you're, you know, you're pretty tuned into what's going on. What do you see in the next five years or so for ag tech in general?
1: The, the big question marks for me are, does the, all this farm data, you know, doesn't have as much value as what the, the marketplace had hyped it up. Um, if so, you know, there's going to be some neat opportunities on farmers actually putting more emphasis on capturing this data and potentially monetizing it. Well, what I'm excited about <clears throat> is farmers taking this data, implementing more more of a defined kind of testing protocol. On you know, let's define, let's conduct a dozen, fifteen tests on this farm. Um, let's find the winners, find the losers and just iterate those over time. And along the way, try to attribute the results to variables that they can control. Uh, I, I heard a, a speaker, Randy Dowdy that came up to Northwest Minnesota. He's a big corn grower from Georgia. I went into the meeting, super skeptical, you know, what the heck is this guy going to tell us about? Um, you know, how can we learn from him? He doesn't know about our gumbo clay, mud soils that we have to fight with every spring well he talked about this framework of just testing and tracking and just continuously learning to invest more in the things that pay and less in the things that don't pay and i really think that we're, we've started to develop some really great tools uh, to capture data on the farm you know the the great traction that climate is having um, the very openness That the John Deere ecosystem is having. And I think farmers are going to be presented with some really great tools um, to just help them continue to iterate and improve their farm. And that's that's specifically what I'm excited about. And along the way, you know, this sea and spray technology that John Deere bought, that's pretty exciting. Um, You know, still remain skeptical of Complete, you know, remote agronomic decision making. Um, I think those tools are great, but I, I don't think they can kind of spit out a. I don't think those black boxes can can spit out truly actionable uh, recommendations. You know, at least in the in the next few years. So, you know, the trend of making it easier to capture the data, I think, is going to be um, really improved by making that data actionable, so farmers can can not only just stare at these pretty maps and, and pretty graphics, but use them as decision making tools to, you know, improve their ROI on their farm. Cause you know, it's not always about more yield. It's about you know, let's invest in things that pay and cut things that don't pay. And I think that technology is going to get pretty pretty impressive and cool here in the next handful of years.
0: Very cool. Well Nick Horub, the founder of Harvest Profit, Nick Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks Tim really appreciate it.
0: And if people actually before I let you go, if people want to reach out to you online, what's the best way to engage with you on some of these uh, some of these topics?
1: they well, can just shoot me an email directly uh, Nick at harvestprofit.com and I am more than happy to uh, you know, to discuss the, the industry in general or to you know, talk more with producers about whether or not our tools are a fit in their operation.
0: you enjoyed that interview with Nick Horeb of Harvest Profit. If you're a farmer and listening, I encourage you to reach out to Nick and see if his farm management software might be right for you. He he is very much farmer-centered and solution-centered, so uh, I think it's kind of cool to work with the little guy a little bit and get some uh, custom service and get somebody who's really focused on, on your needs. Anyway, uh, thank you to all of you who are listening and tuning in. We're going to take this podcast in a direction of blockchain. Uh, over the next few episodes, maybe several episodes, we're going to be exploring what blockchain is and how it might be relevant to the future of agriculture. So if uh, you are brand new to blockchain, we're going to give you a bit of an introduction in this next episode. If you are a blockchain expert, call me. I want to talk to you because uh, I I need some additional expertise on this show. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful holiday season, and I'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.